0: Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now, here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hi, welcome to the Beacon podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's discussion on data informed strategy. And joining us today is one of my favorite colleagues in the nonprofit and fundraising arena and a brilliantly educated gentleman, Clay Buck, consultant and founder of Tactical Fundraising Solutions. Clay's an experienced and CFRE certified fundraiser with expertise in developing the systems and infrastructure that supports donor-centered fundraising, particularly with individual donors and annual giving. He's an AFP certified master trainer and was recently named among the top charity influencers online. He has served as an advisory board member for Rogari, a fundraising think tank, and is the co-author of the United States Critical Fundraising Report. He also authored the Data Driven Annual Fund and is a frequent speaker. Clay teaches in the Fundraising and Nonprofit Management Certificate Program at the University of Nevada Las Vegas. And he's a graduate of Michigan State University, and no bias. Uh, most importantly, the University of Georgia. Go dogs! Go dogs! Hey, Clay, thank you so much, my friend, for joining us today. We are excited and honored to have you on the Beacon uh, Podcast.
1: Jeff, the feeling is mutual. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you very much. Well, again, our listeners
0: have a treat in store for them. And I look forward to, as always, learning from you. So Clay, what what does data-informed strategy mean?
1: So I want to reply to that, too, by noting the intent of data-informed, right? And you referenced the workbook that I did while I was at Wealth Engine, the Data-Driven Annual Fund, right? Which is a great workbook. Very proud of it. and We named it Data-Driven in the nonprofit world the more I have thought this through, the more I have come to, we are driven by mission. Mission is what moves us. Mission is what drives every decision we make. Data informs how we make those decisions. So that's, that's why I intentionally use the phrase data-informed strategy. And to me, the use of and relying on the data that we have, the information that we have in terms of giving history, giving capacity who our donors are who's in our databases and what information we have informs the strategy that we develop and how we do it and how we approach it so there's so much advice and it's it's good it's good and great advice right but just to pick on one particular thing you need a major gift strategy you need to build your major gift program okay that's great first What is a major gift to your organization? I do a lot of database audits and analyzing giving history and find that historically speaking, when you look backwards at, you know, five or 10 years of giving history, you have never had a trend of asking for or receiving, say, $10,000 gifts. Your institution's major gift, quote unquote, threshold is actually it. $1,500 $1,500 or $2,500. That's the big gift. So to just start a strategy of we're going to develop major gifts and bring in all these $10,000 donors. Well, you've never done it. So how are you going to get there? So let's use that giving history. I'm not saying it's a bad strategy. I'm saying without the data behind it, to know how to achieve it, it's a pipe dream. It's not a strategy. So that data informs then how we approach whatever it is that our goal or our budgets need.
0: I love that distinction, the informed and the focus on the mission and uh, say, amen, because without research, there is no strategy. It's templates. It's
1: cookie cutter, right? Exactly. Exactly. And if, if I may just interject there, there's a wonderful quote from Sun Tzu, the art of war, right? A strategy without tactics is the noise before defeat. So we have to have both the strategy and the tactics or the data working together. Otherwise, I think, and in my experience, we're we're setting ourselves up for problems. I don't want to necessarily say failure, but we're setting ourselves up for problems without having that information behind us to really inform where our strategy is going.
0: Excellent. Clay, what kind of data should nonprofits be looking at when they're developing strategies to communicate with and then ultimately invite donors to make a gift?
1: Absolutely. First and foremost, it's data quality. This is the biggest, strongest issue that I see across the board. We are not as good as we could be as a sector in just the ability to contact our donors. So simple data hygiene. I'm making a very broad generalization there, but do we have name Do we have address? Do we have phone number? Do we have email address? I've worked with, especially in the times that we're fundraising in, have worked with a number of organizations that are rightfully needing to pivot or adjust to more of a digital strategy and rely a little more on email and a little more online than we have before, especially with in-person events being much, much harder, if not downright impossible. Only to find that they don't have a history of having done digital. So we don't have email addresses. We don't have phone numbers. We don't have contact. And even more importantly, looking at the legal perspective of that with canned spam and privacy laws, we also don't have opt-in from donors to contact them by email by phone. Those are relatively simple quality things that without a huge lift, they're they're relatively easy to stay on top of if they're made a priority, right? So the biggest thing I would say first to that question of developing the different strategies in the data is just the the simple quality data. I would also say in terms of data quality, getting donors' names right and capturing what their names are (laughs) and how they wish to be addressed, my name, Clay Buck, it's eight letters. You would be amazed how many times I will get a resolicitation and it's wrong for some who knows what reason. And I mean, Dale Carnegie, the sweetest sound to any person is the sound of their own name. So th- that is first. Then, secondly, is accurate historical giving information. I cannot stress the importance of prioritizing that giving history in your CRM, you know, we're living in a world now where access to a true relationship management software is relatively inexpensive and much easier than it used to be. I mean, I started fundraising on carbon paper and three by five cards. So I remember those days and we did it pretty well then. But having that historical giving information and being able to communicate directly with a donor on what they have done in the past, what we're asking them to do now, those two things yield a huge dividends in response and in driving strategy and also alleviate a lot of our, oh my gosh, I've got to go find this new thing or I've got to go find new donors when shoring up our systems to take care of the donors we have has such a huge impact.
0: That's outstanding. That reminds me, it's not a UGA, but another alma mater. I re-upped my membership in the Alumni Association and I got to your point earlier, I got a letter to Mr. Dowdy. Jeff Dowdy, thanking me for joining the Alumni Association. And oh, dear. I, yeah, I, oh, the, dear. the VP there is a friend of mine, and then I get a, a letter from the alumni director, handwritten, but sharing how overworked she was. Wow. Yeah, and I thought, this, to your point, this is a simple data, wow. and
1: yeah. It's amazing to me, Jeff, even even when you make a gift, because I'm that donor that throws you off, right? I get a direct mail solicitation and then I make the gift online, because that's just how I prefer to do it. I don't even think I have checks anymore. It is amazing to me how often you will make a gift online in a form that captures your information and you enter it exactly how you want it, and then you get a letter and it's wrong. And like that required manual intervention. So again, setting those systems of making data care a priority is a huge thing. Quick story, I gave to a local public radio station, literally on the phone with the representative who is taking my gift and she had apparently written it down and handed it to the on-air talent. And as I am on the phone with her, they read out my name on the air wrong. Oh my goodness. And I just went, I didn't say anything to her because of course it's busy times, with pledge driving, it's all of that. But you know, even so I'm like that prioritization of just taking care of it is so important. Mm.
0: Clay mentioned integrity, but how often should nonprofits be evaluating their donor data and, and revising any strategy.
1: So, as I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of the database audit, of really digging in and taking a look at your history and quality and hygiene and all of that all at once. You know, I really do encourage nonprofits, once you make a decision that we're going to be more data informed or we're going to rely on data, make the investment to really dig into that audit and find out where your, your problems and issues are, and then re-audit it at least every year. Every year. Because okay. hygiene degrades no matter what you do. Some estimates say about six to eight percent of our records go bad, quote unquote, go bad every year. People wow. move, people pass away, all kinds of things. So at least every year, audit it to see where the issues are depending on how often you mail, depending on how often you're doing things. I know some organizations that will run a national change of address, you know, every time they do a mailing, others do it every six months. The key is make it a priority and make it manageable and affordable. So whether that's every year or every six months or every three months, depending on how active you are, whatever the timeline is, make it regular and make it doable. So it doesn't become one more chore, but it becomes a priority for you. Excellent.
0: Clay, you want to get your insight on data security, and I guess most folks, I won't name any names, but the (laughs) largest provider I would imagine in our field had some issues of late. And so should nonprofits be concerned uh, about data security and are there steps they can do to help keep their donors' information secure?
1: So this, to me, after data quality and the impact of data quality and history on setting strategy and moving forward. Data security is the number one thing that is going to impact the nonprofit sector, particularly in light of the pandemic and in light of what we're seeing in recent data hacks. And we now know that the nonprofit sector is not immune. We now have, as you said, one of our largest providers just like the big names that we've seen in terms of you know facebook target name a major company that hasn't been hacked i think is is where we are now which means that data and cybersecurity is probably going to be the number one issue that faces us in the next few years as seth godin says we live in a connection economy and if that's true and it is and fundraising is a connection business then data is the fuel of that economy (laughs) People want our data. They want to attack our data. They want to get a hold of it. So prioritizing data security has to become, and forgive me for jumping on a soapbox, but I I really do think it is that critically important that we need to begin protecting our data just like we would any asset, our financial assets, our staff assets, our physical resources, we need to put protocols in place, which means number one, it needs to raise to the level of governance. Our boards need to start stepping in and looking at data security as a part of their responsibility as fiduciaries to take care of this asset. We need data privacy procedures and policies that are at the board and leadership level. And forgive me for being very direct here, the days of any fundraiser being able to say, I'm not a data person, I don't pay attention to that, we have an assistant, an associate, a receptionist, whatever, who takes care of it. Those days need to end because our senior leadership now also needs to recognize the value of, and the importance of the asset and, and that people are after it. I mean, just one simple thing. If one takeaway, Jeff, my friend, if we could accomplish one thing in the sector, stop emailing data lists. <laughs> just as simple as that, right? Yeah. That is one of the easiest security things to do is to set a protocol to stop emailing data lists, but even more so setting protocols, privacy standards, et cetera, et cetera. Really becomes a key priority.
0: Excellent, Clay. As as always, I always learn from you and appreciate your being our guest today on the Beacon Podcast.
1: Well, thank you. And I don't know if you can hear, but our coworkers and you know namesakes, the the, the dogs, have joined us in the background. So they, well, they are happy to be here as well.
0: and I'm, I'm thrilled to. <laughs> and I, I, look, I look forward
1: to meeting them as uh, and you in person soon. Likewise, likewise. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: And to our listeners, be sure and. Keep up with Clay by following him on Twitter, at tclaybuck, or by visiting tcbfundraising.com. Uh, again, Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's edition of The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcast and guest at lighthousecouncil.com.